Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Daddy won a radio. He tuned it to a country show. I was rocking in the cradle to the crying of a steel guitar. Mama used to sing to me She taught me that sweet harmony Now she worries cause she never thought I'd ever really take it this far Singing in the bars and chasing that neon rainbow Living that honky-tonk dream Cause all I've ever wanted Is to pick his guitar and sing Just trying to be somebody Wanna be heard and sing I'm chasing that neon rainbow Living that honky-tonk dream An Atlas and a coffee cup Five pickers and an old Dodge truck Heading down to Houston for a show on Saturday this overhead is killing me Half the time I sing for free But when the crowd's into it Lord, it makes the thing I'm doing seem right Standing in the spotlight Chasing that neon rainbow I'm living that honky-tonk dream Cause all I've ever wanted Is to pick his guitar and sing Just trying to be somebody Wanna be heard and sing I'm chasing that neon rainbow Living that honky-tonk dream Daddy's got a radio He wanted 30 years ago He said, son, I just know We're gonna hear you singing on it someday Well, I made it up to music row Lord, it don't the wheels turn slow Still I wouldn't trade a minute I wouldn't have it any other way Just show me to the stage I'm chasing that neon rainbow I'm living that honky-tonk dream Cause all I've ever wanted Is to pick this guitar and sing Just trying to be somebody Just wanna be heard and seen I'm chasing that neon rainbow Chasing that neon rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh that that's like when you come from Alabama to go to the big city, huh? Yeah, that's kind of a composite. It's mostly about the life Alan was living at the time, but there's a lot of mine in there too. I mean, we didn't have a television till I was eight years old. And so 
I still have that old Philco table model radio, and I still listen to the Grand Ole Opry on it sometime. Of course, there's no FM. It's just AM and broadcast, but it's an old tube, and it sounds great. But that's what I grew up listening to the first seven or eight years. I was coming back from Georgia. It was two or three years before I even had ever heard of Alan Jackson, knew who he was, or anybody else. But I got this idea, and I pulled over to the side of the road, and I wrote down, Chasing that neon rainbow, living that honky-tonk dream. Well, I had never played in a band, and I never did a solo act at the coffee house or anywhere else. As a matter of fact, I didn't do a writer's night for nine years after I'd had a, after I moved to Nashville until Kicks Brooks talked me into it one night. Were you nervous? Or? Oh, yeah. I said, Kicks, it scares me to death to think about it, man. I said, I've never played like that. And, and he said, hey, I'm the MC. He said, I'll get you a, I'll get you the sympathy thing going, you know, and say this is this is Jim's first time. Y'all be nice, and I dropped about three picks, I think, during the time. But that's when I started getting over it. Thank you, Kicks, for helping me helping me do that because I've gotten to go a lot of cool places because I was willing to play them. But I, I'd had that idea in a notebook for about two years. All writers keep notebooks with ideas in there, and I knew what it was about, but I didn't. I'd never done that. So I get a phone call from this guy named Alan Jackson, and uh, I'd seen him at the office a couple of times and just kind of nodded, and uh, I thought, dang, he looks like Hank Williams or something. You know? <laughs> and he said, uh, would, would you be willing to get with me and see if maybe we could write something? And I said, yeah, I, I, we'll do that. So we were writing in the old combine building up on the third floor, it was a little room that you could barely stand up in. It got hot up there. As a matter of fact, the fire marshal said, "Don't be up there. It's a, it's a fire <laughs> hazard. Don't you? Nobody, no one needs to be up there." But I mean, we couldn't stay away. It's where Christopherson used to write when he wrote at the office. He wrote in this little room. Well, you can't keep us out of there. You know, <laughs> we're trying to channel Christopherson. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wrote about 80 practice songs before I ever did anything trying to write like Christopherson. Finally figured out I was glad I couldn't. So I remember the first day we got together, it was it was hot up there. So we opened the window and to get a little try to get a little air stirring, we we opened the door and the door wouldn't stay open. But there was a box of trophies there. And we got one of those ACM trophies, if you remember what they looked like with the cowboy hat on or whatever. It was one of Chris's trophies. <laughs> so we propped the door open with one of Chris's trophies. That's and, funny. Yeah, and uh, and so we started talking. Alan's from uh, Georgia, I'm from Alabama. We we liked Hank Williams, Vergas, and George Jones. We loved the same music. And so we hit it off immediately, and, and he's telling me about driving down to Florida with the band and to Arkansas on the weekends and places, and and not making any money. But he said, by the time I buy gas for the van and uh, and pay the band, I'm not making any money. And he said, I've been in town for four or five years, and nobody will give me a record deal. I think everybody had turned him down at that point. So I said, I've got an idea I want to show you. I, I haven't known what to do with it, but you're talking about it right now, I think. And so that's how we wrote Chasing That Neon Rainbow. So you laid out that title. He said somebody's daddy had won a radio, and so that's just how he started. That's the first line of the song. It's like, well, let's just let's just tell your story. And in doing so, there's a little bit of mine in there, too, 
moving to Music Row and all that. So yeah, that's that's how that started. The Country Music Hall of Fame wanted to put Alan's radio that he sings about in the song. The he, actual radio. The from... actual radio. So uh, he called me and he said, man, he said, they're putting Daddy's radio in the Country Music Hall of Fame. And it's going to be a ceremony, which, of course, you're invited to. But they want the original lyrics. And I don't have them. He said, do you have the original lyrics on it? And I said, yeah, I do. And he said, well, bring them or call them and tell them that you've got them. So I called and. And I said, look, this is kind of embarrassing. I said, I write with a, a large legal pad. And I said, the lyrics to that song are on four different sheets of paper. And I, I said, there's basically uh, verses on on a separate sheet and then the chorus. And they said, if you change one thing, we don't want it. <laughs> if you do anything different uh, to it, we don't want it. And I said, Okay, I, I won't. I won't touch it. So I don't know if the lyrics are still in there, but for a long time, Alan's radio's in the glass thing, and the lyric, the lyrics on four big yellow pieces of paper are in there with it. It may not may not be there anymore. But you see, Doug, you see these things where it's where they wrote uh, "God Bless America" or something, you know, big song, and there's like no scratch out. It's just written straight through. Or there's one little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like. They're apparently a lot smarter than me. Yours is on four different sheets. Oh, I'm all over. The, by the time I finished a song, uh, you write down all the pertinent things. If you're singing about cars, you write down all the pertinent things about cars I could think of, just over in the margin, and then, you know, hopefully you get a line or something out of it. But yeah, some of those things are just a little bit too perfect, or they'll have one little scratch out. You know, it's like, a, yeah, right. That's not how that song was written. No one writes a song that way. No, no, that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> Boy, Alan, any time I ever took an idea to him or something I'd started, if he liked it, he would. Uh, he could certainly hold up his end of the writing part. So that song ended up on his first album. It went to number two? Yeah, it didn't go to number one. went to number two, I think. Back in those days, there was Billboard, there was R&R, and there was Cashbox. And... I believe that song went number one in R and R. I'm not okay. sure. Do you get a number one party for an R and R number one, or only a number one oh, party if, oh, it's a, listen, if it's a Billboard listen. number one? Oh, listen, yes, they love to have number one parties on Music Row, and yes, if it was R and R, absolutely. You still, yeah. Did you have a number one party for Chase? I think, that? Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, on Rainbow, that would tell me if it was a number one. If someone yeah. threw you a number one party, yeah. So Alan Jackson had a pretty good career after that album and that song. Yeah, you know, he, he of course we became friends and and he gave me a, a copy, and I heard this song on there called "Here in the Real World," and I thought, oh man, Randy Travis had already kind of kicked the door down, you know, traditional music, and I thought, wow, that song is awesome. So his first single didn't do so well, but then they put out "Here in the Real World" and. That got it. That got it going, and each subsequent single kind of kicked it up. Alan went on to record a bunch of your material. Someday, yeah, you can't have it all. Tropical depression. Sometimes it just really works, and and all of those songs are co-written. He cut a Christmas song of mine. I'll tell you this story. He he cut a Christmas song that I had written by myself, and he calls me one morning about seven o'clock and he said, Hey, 
you got a copy of that Christmas song I like and that you wrote? And I said, yeah. He said, bring it down to the studio. He said, I'm doing uh, Holly Jolly Christmas for Home Alone 2. What's that called? There's just something about Christmas. It never got out. It's still in, okay, the, yeah, no, it's still in a can somewhere on Music Row. We've got to get that out it's there, don't the you think? Oh, I'd love, I, yeah, we've got some other things in the can. That like every year that out. should come out. What's it, all that stuff doing in the can? Oh, gosh, you wouldn't believe all I've got. I've got, I've got cuts in the can by, in one month period, so I lost two Travis Trick cuts, one Brooks and Dunn, and one Alan Jackson cut in the period of a month. That's like an album. Like yeah. someone could release that. Yeah. an entire oh, album. Like Ann Murray, I mean, you name it. I, I have a George Jones. Brenda Lee duet that's still in the can. I have a Jerry Lee Lewis cut that I got my first year in town that's still in the can. That I mean, that will just kill you. So what I did, I had a tape of it, a cassette a while back. I took it to this guy, and he put it on a CD, and I took it to the disc jockey down home that played my first record on the radio. I gave it to him. I said, no other disc jockey anywhere has this song. You're the only one who has it. He just plays it to death. <laughs> so maybe I get a little something out of it, you know. But, oh, yeah, I, any writer that's that's had success will have these same stories. You get excited because Ann Murray cuts her song, and then you find out she's changing direction in the middle of the album. Out of all your on-the-shelf songs, and some of your on-the-shelf st- stuff has obviously been cut by major voices, uh, out of all the ones you've written, if you could pick a voice today to record one, what would it be? And who would the voice be? Well, I almost got a George Strait cut one time. He took 13 songs into the studio. He cut 12 songs. He cut 11 songs. He threw one out and took the 12th song and, and put it in its place, and I was good on number 13. So that's as close as I ever came to getting a straight cut. I, I would love to have had a straight cut, but even more than that, I wish I had gotten. I'd love to have had a Vern Gostin cut. I would love that. Today, I, I, I guess I'd say George. Would you like him to do that song that you had? What What was the song? The number 13 cut? Uh, you know, I don't remember. I think, <laughs> okay. I, think I've intentionally blacked. You blacked that I one blacked out. blacked out. Yeah, I think I, I just blocked that in my in my memory. Yes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.